This is produced by Supamedia.com. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. You gotta have something. One, two, three, four, if five. You What's going on, y'all? This is Joe Suba. Suba Talks, another nothing podcast. It's Sunday morning. Um, I'm up, I'm alive, I'm well. Had the best smoothie this morning. Had a super nutty. Those who know me know what a super nutty is, and I feel good. Yeah, baby. Um... Well, you know, today I got up, I was talking to a friend last night and she was like, Joe, you got a podcast? And I was like, yeah. So we just started talking about things and talking about films. And she was like, you know, you should talk about the films and how you started producing. And I was like, you know what? That would be a great topic. Because I really, um, I don't know if I've talked about it in the past in some of my podcasts, but I'm like for films and producing. (laughs) Um, hold on for me. Let me t- let me screw this thing. I'm four films in as an as an as a producer, and I just finished my first full feature as an executive producer and producer. My company executive produced it, and I produced it. I got my own film company called Supermedia.com, Super Inc. LLC. I mean Supermedia LLC, but um, um, you know, website is Supermedia.com. I'm sorry. Um, so anyway, um. So she was, it was interesting when she told me, like, you should, you should do a podcast, talk about how you produce movies and how you start. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I think I'll do that. So this is going to be part one of my journey into producing. So I'm going to start with my first film, which was Rage and Discipline. Rage and Discipline was my first film. Um, I, we shot it in New York City, in Harlem. It was shot by Brian Clyde. Um, was the produ- was the director and Ben Miller was the executive producer. I'm sorry, Ben Miller was the producer and executive producer was Roger Corman. Now you guys probably don't, some of you who are into film know who Roger Corman. He's like the godfather of film making and producing and um, making people careers. Like he literally started Martin Scorsese. He literally um, had... Um, Lucas, working for him, um, Coppola, worked for him. All these guys came through his door, right? Ron Howard, um, uh, who else? Um, all of them, all of them. Um, um, what's the guy that played in Little Shop of Horrors? Uh, I can't remember his name right now. But anyway, um, he was the one who did Little Shop of Horrors, the, the original one. Um, I forget his name. He played in Batman. He played the Riddler, I think, or the Joker. I just can't remember his name right now. He's retired from acting. So anyway, um, he's always at the L.A. games. I just can't remember his name because I'm thinking about it. So anyway, we did our first film, Rage and Discipline, first film called Rage and Discipline. So off of Rage and Discipline, um, I was in a boxing gym, and then the Pete, which who was the manager of the gym was like oh they have an auditions for this movie won't you you know they were looking for extras as a boxer I was like yeah you know I, you know they said there's no pay I didn't care I'm, I'm a part of a movie you think I get hell about money or no money so anyway you know um I we I auditioned and he was like okay come can you come back or oh, we'll call you so they so I guess they were videotaping it and then called me back and they said could you read for this part so they they were auditioning me for different roles I just didn't know what I was doing, you know, that they knew what they were doing. They were like film students from NYU. I didn't know what I was doing. 
So anyway, they call me and they say, well, you think you can play this role? We want you to play this role. And I was like, who's that? They was like, it's the villain. I was like, okay, I'm not doing nothing. My son was there, I'll never forget. My brought my son on set, my youngest son, my, my old, my youngest son. No, no, sorry, my oldest son. Baltimore said. So anyway, um, the director, Brian was like, yo, you think you can help us with locations? So I'm like, what is locations? <laughs> finding places we can film. I'm like, yeah, I know some places where you can film and this and that. So we, I started finding locations with him. And from there, after the film was finished, Brian was like, can we, would you, we want to make you an ex ex associate producer of the film. So that was my first introduction into producing. Right. So anyway, after that, I had a fire. My house burned down. Two years later, Brian calls me again. And Ben and Roger Corman is like, we're doing a movie. I had a job working at um, Verizon. So he was like, Joe, we're doing this film in the Philippines. Would you? I quit my job right away. Flew me out to the Philippines. So while we out there, I started reading and reading with the actors that they wanted to pick for the film, which I, I'm, I'm like, hell yeah, I'll do it. I ain't doing nothing. We just hanging out. So then I started hanging out with Brian as they go location scouting. So now I'm learning how to location scout. I'm learning how to put a film together without knowing how to put a film together. Not like, not in a school. You know what I mean? A lot of people go to school for this stuff. I'm like, I'm learning hands-on, right? So I'm watching the whole thing, but I'm not realizing it because I'm, I'm having fun. I'm meeting chicks banging shit you know I'm I'm near 30 some year old black actor from Harlem I'm having a great time <laughs> so anyway but also I'm learning so from there um years later I'm in this acting school and this teacher says something to me that made me very upset and from there I said I'm gonna start my own film co company so I said I'm gonna do my own um, short film. I did a film with a friend of mine called Kai. It's a short movie. Do these short movies, these action films. That's hot. So he, he had, we were in class together. He said, Joe, would you be in my film? I said, hell yeah. So I'm in his film. And then the teacher says something to me and it made me very upset. And it, But it pushed me. Like some people will say things to destroy you and some things people will say things to push you. What he said would have destroyed other actors some actors, but it pushed me to prove that I am a solidified star in film, right? So anyway, um, that said something that it, it drove me and it motivated me. I said, I'm going to do my own film. I reached my boy, Pal, who I, I used to have the show called Super TV. And on Super TV, we just would go, I had a clover line called Super. And also in Raging Discipline, my, I, I see, that's what I didn't realize either. Through the whole raging discipline, my Brian was like, "You have a had a clover line at the time. That's when Fubu and stuff was hot." He was like, "Would you mind putting your clover line in our movie?" I laced the whole movie with super stuff, <laughs> super meat, super stuff. Oh yeah, baby. So anyway, that film went on to be a cult classic too. So anyway, um, I forgot. oh, so I reached out to my boy Pal. We did some video work together. Pal definitely helped with the film, but his wife wrote it. I gave her the concept and the idea. She wrote the movie called Blue Underground about two cops who were getting people off the street to fight in an underground fight match. Now, it was more of a concept piece to get money. Like, you know, everybody was doing shorts to get money for their films. 
And that's what we're trying to do. That's what not we're trying to do. Hold on for a minute. Hold on, sorry. That's what we were doing. So anyway, um, I contacted my buddy Charlie because Charlie had helped somebody else that I knew um, produce their movie. So I said, I'm gonna start doing my own. That's another podcast I'll talk about totally different with people in the industry, but it was an experience that I needed early. But that's not about this one. It's about just producing. This is part one of producing. So anyway, I um so Ray wrote it and I get the script and I started getting people in my I asked one of my classmates, Brett, would you be would you would you star in it with me? He wasn't a co-star, he was a star. Um and um he said, Yeah. So two or three months go by, a month go by, and then Charlie said, yeah. Then we had Sensei Mo, which is who does all the stunts. He, you know, he was in the one. He was doing all the stunts for the one. So he was like, you know, we got called on him. He said he wanted to be a part of it. He did all the stunt coordination. So now doing all the stunts, like all this is producing. People don't understand what produce. It's all this producing. Now you got to get us. Sensei Mo had a class where we started having stunt coordinating classes, you know, the stunt stuff. So then we had people come in there, all walks of life. They didn't want to stay. They thought it was bullshit. They thought it wasn't good. And, but, you know, because people don't see the vision. And if you don't have no money, especially in this field, if you ain't got no money, people ain't really going to fuck with you, yo. You know, you got to have a little bit of money. We didn't have no money. We had about $4,000 to do. And you see blue, you'll never think we did it with $4,000. You'll lose your mind, right? I know somewhere down the line, it's going to be really, people going to be like, this is your first film. This shit is really good. So anyway... So I get all the locations. I this is produced by supermedia.com. All the actors. Um, some people had, you know, since they more had his crew, he wanted to put in, you know, because this is the opportunity. And it was a sad production. Another thing, producers, if you want to start producing your own film, you don't have money, make it a sad production because now you can get people, you might not have the money, but for them to get in the union, they'll come and be in your film. Right, because that's the trade-off. We just don't give them nothing. Right, that's one of the trade-offs that I found was beneficial when I'm doing my work because I don't really have money to pay the actors. I'm just paying the crew because they got the equipment. Right, so the actors they get opportunity to be on the set. They get opportunity to talk because a lot of actors are doing background work. I'm doing background work, and I got twelve movies, uh, 30, twenty movies in, and I've produced four to five of them. So anyway. This just, this just goes to show you that um, if you really want to make it, especially as actors, you have to start. And now it's the easiest time to do your own stuff. You got 4K cameras. They shooting movies with iPhones. What's that girl name? Uh, 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 Alicia or uh, Isa. She had a thing on YouTube, on, on, on um, YouTube, and she blew up, and then. Netflix picked her up and now she's writing and producing her own stuff and she's, star, she's a star. So anyway, and, and that's why it's so important to make your own content. So anyway, so we finished that. I packaged it. I got an editor. We packaged the whole thing up. I got the guy who put the sound on it with the sound design. We did a score. It was unbelievable. When you saw it at the end, you would never think it was, it was 22 minutes because, you know, everybody was doing short films, 10 minute concepts. I said, you know what? I started watching these guys on YouTube, how they making money off their short movies. So I made a short movie. The Blue Underground is a short movie. So anyway, we did that. And um, 
I got a lot of flack from that movie because everybody, like most of it was the crew. They felt like they was entitled because the film, like, you know, we were getting talks with HBO. To, so, oh, people were, you know, it's another thing, producers. People will lie to you. That's what I should say. Oh, I got a connection with the HBO because I'm doing music for them. And I think, I know I can have them look at it. So you get excited when people tell you that. Now, when people tell me shit now, I don't even get excited. I'll be like, oh boy, okay. I just be like, oh, if you can help out, that would be great. But I know it's all bullshit. Because people do be having plugs, but they hold on to the plugs. Because they, they really don't want to see you succeed. That's something else you got to remember as you're producing. People don't try to throw salt or try to um, blow up the bridge that you're going over as you start moving towards your greatness. <laughs> it, just, it just happens, yo. So anyway, um, then after Blue, it took like a two-year layoff because I was just having so many headaches. And then my buddy Brian, I said, Brian, I want to do another movie. Charlie's executive producer, he wants to put in a, a couple of dollars. We're going to do this movie called In the Shadows of Sugar Hill. Now, In the Shadow of Sugar Hills was a great movie, and I was a, that was my first full feature, so I was under a lot of pressure for it to do well. So I got this, the guy who edited the film, he was also said he was a director. He was young, 24. I thought he could handle the pressure of directing, but nah, wasn't, but, but that wasn't, it wasn't built for that particular film. You know what I mean? We still got it finished, got it done, but it just wasn't, didn't look well, right? Not look well, it just wasn't the script that was in the movie. He made it his own movie. And that's just a sign of not knowing what you're doing to me. So anyway, two years later, my buddy Brian was like, let's redo this movie. So I'm like, oh God, I don't really want to revisit it. I don't. So since he's my brother and he's helped me through my whole career, I had to say yes. And I'm glad I said yes because I was just... Like, damn, I, I got mostly all the locations, mostly all the actors, and we had a name, which was Saigon. Saigon is a hip-hop artist. He was on Entourage. He was a good friend of ours. He worked on Rage, our first film. He had a smaller role, but this one, he was a star, and he came on, he killed it. Oh, man. I've seen the whole film. So anyway, we did the film. We finished it. I got sick, got put in the hospital because stress... You know, when you're under stress, a constant daily stress every day, even me, I'm vegan, I'm fit, I work out every day. Um, it was right before the corona hit. So we did that in October, November, December, January, for March, February. So and then Kobe passed around that time. But I was in the hospital because I had caught a bad foot infection, so I couldn't even walk. So anyway, so we get the film. Brian does a what they call a... Uh, um, I forget, assembly, like putting it all together of the scenes he wants to use. And we give it to um, one of the stars of the film with Saigon, um, his company or the company he worked for. So bits and pieces, I guess. And it was like, oh, we'll, we'll do the, the, um, the, um, the post-production of it, meaning the editing, the sound. So anyway, we give it to them. Reluctantly, I gave it to them because I have people who I was already making contacts with that I wanted to work with this film because I want them to do my other films later on down the road. See, the thing about it is I knew I was going to do more movies. And I knew I was going to do more movies. So the people who work with me now, I'm going to work with me later. But I wanted to make that relationship. And all this stuff is about relationships. Like, I don't tell everybody to do anything for free. 
unless you're an actor. And even when you're an actor, you're doing it for free. <clears throat> you're getting a reel. And if you're not in the union, you're getting in the union. So you're getting something. And most of these actors think they're supposed to be paid. Or, you know, in this business, is you, you <clears throat> it's like 30% chance you'll get paid, but you'll get priceless footage that will help you get paid. That's how you got to look at it. See, I come from an actor's um, background, and now I'm producing, so I understand it, but I don't understand the paying part. But I've been very blessed because I've been paid for my work. But anyway, but I also did my first film and didn't get into the union. And it was on BT for two years. And I didn't get no residuals. Then I did my second film and I wasn't even in the union. And I was in the Philippines shooting a war movie with Mark DeCoscos, um, Treat Williams, and um, Teresa Randall. So, and I didn't think about, I was getting so little money. I didn't care about the money. I just cared about the experience. So I know these these new actors is all about money. But anyway, we're not going to be on the actors. That's for another podcast. So Brian calls me. We knock that out. And we finish it. The shit looks incredible. Right? Brian did most of the, the labor towards the end. Right? I didn't do most of the labor. I just had to get the money from Charlie, who was executive producer. It's his film. So anyway... We show it to Saigon. Saigon loves it, but there's something missing in that movie, and that was Saigon's music. Now I had approached Saigon to do the give us submit us music, which he did, but he didn't sign the music off. You know, I try to keep things by the book, and I learned that anything you do, you got to do contracts before, not after. Don't do anything before they sign the contract. Producers, don't do anything before they sign the contract. Producers. Don't do anything before they sign the contracts. Because <laughs> then you just hunt people down. And you're going to be feeling a certain way. Right? So anyway, they got the movie now, and now they're doing a score, which is probably going to be, I got us a deal. Right? See, the thing about it is, I got us a deal. But that deal is off the table. And now with Saigon's music and the score, it's going to be even bigger. I think that film is going to be even bigger. And we should all get something out of it. I probably won't get nothing out of it, but my name is all over it. So that's the best thing about it. And sometimes you got to take hits like that, man. Especially when you know you want to go to the next level, you got to take hits. Producers, actors, you know, it's not always I'm going to get, get, get. You got to take a hit and keep on moving. This is produced by Supermedia.com. They don't like to take chances. They don't like to put themselves out there. I put myself out there every day when it comes to producing and filming and acting because this is what I really want to do with my life. Not the only thing I can do, because I got other business, but this is this is my this is my passion. Like I did extra work on Friday, right? And I got to see, like every time I'm doing extra work, I'm not just an extra like everybody else. I'm hanging out with the crew. I'm hanging out in the cut, quiet. So when they tell, oh, casting, they say, oh, BG, back to holding. I'm chilling. They almost see me, because I'm like just a fly on the wall. Like yesterday was priceless. I was on this thing called gossip something, gossip, whatever it is. But just to see how they move in the, in the, in the production part, you know, um, man, it was just priceless. So anyway, um, we finished that film and um, I can't wait to see it with the sound. Now, this is part one of producing one-on-one by Joe Suba. So we're going to get into part two. Um... 
when I put it up. Well, when I finish, when I do it. And part two is going to be my next film, which is called, um, um, oh my goodness, how about forget my um, Crossroads? All right? Peace out.